The Weekly Charge, a podcast for kids and families where we take a little time to charge as we plug in, power up, and press on with Christ. Episode 7 of From the Pit to the Palace, The Life of Joseph. Hello, everyone. I'm Miss Jen. And I'm Pastor Ben. Welcome to the Weekly Charge, a podcast by the Napanee Missionary Church Kidmin team. This week, we're going to finish our story about the life of Joseph. That's right. This is the last chapter. If you're just discovering our podcast, you may want to go back to the beginning of this series and start with the first episode of From the Pit to the Palace. This series has gone along with our church's series, You'll Get Through This. Moms and dads, if you hadn't had a chance to hear those messages, you can find them at nmc.church. There are some powerful messages with some powerful stories. In our last episode, Joseph was reunited with his father, finally, after over 20 years. Now the family is all together once more, living in Egypt as they wait out the famine. And today, we see how all these different things from the life of Joseph and his family come together from the past and take their family into the future. So once again, we invite you to join us in using your imagination as we take a look at this amazing story. Remember, Joseph was a real person from history. So imagine with us what it would have been like to have lived back then. And let's go back in time, thousands of years ago. From the pit to the palace, the story of Joseph. Part 7. Joseph tells the story of A Lifetime of Coats. Who am I? There are so many words that could be used to describe me. Favored, hated, enslaved, elevated, accused, imprisoned, forgotten, honored, respected, trusted, found. There are so many roles I have played. Son, brother, slave, prisoner, helper, leader, and son again. My name is Joseph. All those words are me. And I am all those words. And more. It's funny when you think about how many of these things are related to the clothes I was given. In each of these roles, I had a cloak that represented who I was and what I was doing in all of these different times of my life. As my father's favorite son, I was given a coat of bright colors and wonderful design. I wore that coat, and I have to say I acted as if I were as wonderful as the coat would suggest. No, the coat my father gave me did not make me arrogant and boastful. Instead, I wore it to be more arrogant and boastful. In those early days, I believed I was better than my older brothers. I mean, I had dreams that told me I'd rule over them. Like my father before me and his father before him, I believed that those dreams were messages from God that would come true. I was right and wrong at the same time. The dreams did come true but not in the way anyone expected. I was wearing that coat the last day I saw my father, when he asked me to go and check on my brothers. I was wearing that coat when I approached them in the fields. I was wearing that coat when they attacked me. The coat was torn away from me then, taken from me by my jealous, angry brothers. I was thrown into a pit. Just as the coat was taken from me, my family was taken from me. 
My father and my younger brother were no longer a part of my life. I was sold as a slave for some pieces of silver. No longer did I wear the coat of a favored son. Now I wore rags. As a slave, I worked in the household of the captain of the guard. He was an honored man. His house was an honored house, and I was given honor in that house. My wardrobe changed as I earned more responsibilities and more respect from the man who owned me, until I was the one who ran the place. No longer did I wear the rags of a slave. Now I wore a robe that signified that I was the head of the household. But once again, that coat was taken from me, and the life I had built was taken from me too. My master's wife liked me, apparently. Liked me more than her husband. I did not like this, and she did not like the way I tried to stay away from her. One day, she cleared out the house so she and I were alone. As I tried to get away from her, she grabbed me and caught my coat. I didn't look back as she pulled it from me. I was thrown into prison. The coat was used as evidence against me that I was the one who did something wrong to her. No longer did I wear the robes of a man in an honored position. Now I wore the threadbare and worn out clothes of a prisoner. In prison, I did the labor expected of me. I once more set myself to doing the best job I could. As time passed, I was found to be trustworthy and once more was given duties and responsibilities in the prison until I was helping run the prison. I was taken out of prison when a fellow prisoner remembered how I helped him years before. I had told him what God revealed to me about a dream he had. It seemed Pharaoh also needed help with a dream. They took me from the prison and took my prisoner's clothes from me and put me in the clothes that were appropriate for someone who was going to be brought before Pharaoh. No longer did I wear the threadbare and worn out clothes of a prisoner. Now, I wore the clothes worthy of a guest of the king. That was one of the most terrifying moments of my life. I was a Hebrew prisoner who had once been a slave. To Pharaoh, I was nothing. If he didn't like what I had to tell him, he could have me killed with just emotion to his guards. If he did like what I said, I could be a free man. And that's all I hoped for, freedom. For so many years, I had been tossed around from one place to another with no control over my life. The moment I was thrown into that pit, my life was no longer my own to control. My actions were no longer my own to decide. But God had always been with me. And from the moment I was thrown into that pit, I also had learned to rely on Him, to rely on His power and His wisdom. Standing before the king, I did what I had learned to do. I did not take control. I did not make it look like I had any kind of power. I listened to Pharaoh, and then I listened to God. After Pharaoh spoke, God spoke. He gave me knowledge about the dreams Pharaoh had. He gave me wisdom about what to do with that information. And Pharaoh appreciated everything I told him. And he assigned me to taking care of a horrible disaster that was to come over Egypt. God used his dreams to warn Pharaoh about a famine that was coming, and God used me to tell Pharaoh what those dreams meant. And Pharaoh did not just give me my freedom, he gave me high authority to make sure the land would be taken care of. Once more, the clothing I was wearing was taken away. No longer was I wearing the clothes of a guest. Now, I wore a signet ring, a ring taken directly from Pharaoh's hand and put on mine. Now I wore a gold chain around my neck, put around my neck by the king himself. Now I was given fine clothes made from the finest linen in all of Egypt, and I wore a garment of a high official. I was given the name Zephenith Panea. The name my father had given me was gone, 
With my new position and my new name came a new family. My old family was gone, never to be seen again, I thought. When a group of Hebrew men came to me, I recognized them. They did not recognize me. How would they? I looked like an Egyptian. I spoke like an Egyptian. I had an Egyptian name. Besides, they had come to Egypt to find the official who was in charge of distributing Egypt's food. They probably thought I was dead or laboring in a work camp somewhere making bricks. I did not reveal myself. I'll be honest, I wasn't sure what to do when I saw them. There were so many different emotions. Anger returned as I remembered what they had done. But I also felt happiness and joy and hope as I considered that I might once more finally see my father and my younger brother. So I tricked them. I gave them back their money secretly. I couldn't take their money, they were family. But I also couldn't let them know just yet. I took one of them and held them in prison to ensure that they would return with Benjamin and perhaps my father. When they didn't return, I wondered if they were just going to abandon the brother I was holding in prison. Had my plan not worked? But they came, and they brought Benjamin, and I could hold my secrets and emotions no more. We were reunited, and I sent them back to Canaan again, but this time to bring my father back with them. I was going to show them that they were forgiven by giving them the food they needed and a new home with me in Egypt. I remember waiting for them to return this time, waiting for my father to come with them, waiting to see his face once again. And then that day came. I remember it was a day like any other, and that's the way things work often. The most important moments in life come at a time that feels just like any regular day. On this day, I woke up, I ate, I met with the officials I worked with, I spent some time with my wife and children, and then I was told that my father was on his way. My body shook as I rushed off to meet him. Father? Joseph, is that you? It is, Father. It is. Oh, Joseph, my son! I am ready to die now that I have seen you. Father, it's been so long, but you look just like I remember you. But you, you were so young when I saw you last, when I sent you out into those fields wearing that coat. That coat. Now, you're a man. Look at you wearing such finery. Who would guess you were born the son of a shepherd? Under these clothes, I am still the son of a shepherd. And your new name, Zaphod Pananaia? My name is Joseph, Father. The name you gave me, that is who I am. Before I left to come here, I was worried I might die before I saw you. But God spoke to me. He told me the promise that he would make me into a great nation was still his covenant. He told me that I would come here to Egypt, but I'd also return home. And he told me that you would be the one to close my eyes after I died. Father, let's not talk about death and leaving each other this day. We've just been reunited. Now... Before we continue our reunion, I have some instructions as you and the family come into Egypt. Yes? I'll be taking you before Pharaoh. I've served him well, and he will allow me to bring you and the family into Egypt. Here's what I need you to say when you stand before him. My stomach churned and my body shook as I asked for Pharaoh to see me and my family. I knew that Pharaoh would welcome them. Any other tribe as big as my family would have been turned away, but Pharaoh liked me. Pharaoh appreciated all I have done for him and wanted me to be happy. And I was happy. So very happy. 
I was worried that something might happen to make this happiness go away. Zafinath Panea, kindly introduce me to your guests. These are some of my brothers. Yes. You have 11 brothers, correct? I do. Tell me, brothers, what do you do in Canaan where you come from? Uh, <clears throat> yes. Your Honor, Sir, if it please your majesty, we are shepherds. My sons are shepherds as I am, and as my father was and as his father was before him. Sir, your majesty. And why do you stand before me? Yes, sir, your, your majesty, sir. We have come to ask that you allow us to stay in the land for a time. In our homeland, there is no land for our sheep to graze on. Your Majesty, the famine has ravaged our land. Uh, we are your servants, uh, Your Majesty, uh, sir. <clears throat> and um, we, we beg you for, for your help. Good, kind Majesty, sir, Your Honor, please allow us to settle where there is healthier land for our flocks. Um, <clears throat> sir, Your Majesty, sir. Hmm. I have considered this request when my servant Safinath Panaya told me you were here. So I tell you, the land is open to you. Settle on it. I understand the rest of your family is in the land of Goshen. You may live there. And Safinath Panaya, if you know of any man trustworthy and capable, you may put them in charge of my own livestock as well. Thank you, my lord. Now please allow me to present to you my father, Israel, also called Jacob. Ah, uh, yes. I can see your son in you, good man. You honor me with that compliment. Tell me, how many years have you lived? My journey on this earth has been 130 years. They were hard years, but I'm still young compared to how old my father and grandfather lived to be. May I pray a prayer of blessing over you? Will you pray to the God of your son? My son's God is my God and is the God of my father and his father. He is the one true God, and I am so pleased to see my son has continued to follow him in these years that he was separated from me. Then it would be an honor for you to give me your blessing. It was better than I could have imagined. My family settled in and I provided them with food. They took care of some of Pharaoh's own flocks, and as the famine lifted from the land, their land became fruitful. They lived there 17 years, and in the 17th year, I was summoned to Father's side. He felt his time was growing short, and he made me give him a promise. Promise me you will be kind to me. Promise me you will be faithful. Do not bury me in Egypt. When my body fails me, when I breathe my last, Carry me away from this place and lay me to rest in the burial place of my fathers. I made that promise. How could I not? Not long after that, I was called back to his side. This time, I brought my sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh was my oldest son. I gave him that name because, well, I thought back then that God made me forget my hardships and my family. Forget? All those terrible things happened to me was I really able to forget? No. No, I was not. 
because they came back to me. My second son was named Ephraim because it meant to me, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. At least that name reflected reality. We went to my father's home. Joseph, you know that God has appeared to me and he said to me, I will make you fruitful and numerous and nations will come from your descendants. Joseph, your two sons that were born to you in Egypt, Ephraim and Manasseh, they are my sons as, as much as Reuben and Simeon are. Their children will get their inheritance from me as well. Tell me, who is with you? My sons, father, the sons you are speaking of. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, my eyes are not good anymore, like my father's eyes in his old age. <laughs> Bring them closer to me. Let me bless them. <laughs> I'm reminded of the time I came to my own father for a blessing. His eyes, not good. Did I tell you my own eyes were bad? They're like my father's. I tricked him. That's how bad his eyes were. He thought I was my brother. But, but not you. Come, come closer so I can see you. Yes, that's better. Instead of a big dark blur, I see a big light blur. <laughs> Manasseh is to your right, father. Ephraim to your left. Manasseh is the oldest son. Eldest son. Eldest son indeed, yes. A blessing. My fathers Abraham and Isaac walked with God. And God has been... My shepherd, until this day, may God bless these boys and let them be called by my name and by the name of Abraham and Isaac. And may they be fruitful and number greatly in the land. Father, you've crossed your hands and put your right hand on Ephraim. He's not the oldest, Father. Put your right hand on Manasseh's head, for he is the one who should get the greater blessing. Eldest son, youngest son, I know what I'm doing. They both will become great tribes, but the younger brother will be the greater tribe. And when I give this blessing, I bless both of them. But Ephraim, the younger son, will be before Manasseh, the older. The nation of Israel will use your names when they give blessings to each other. And they will say, may God make you like Ephraim and like Manasseh. Now, Joseph, I'm about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you back into the land of your fathers. Now, bring me your brothers. I would bless them too. And he did. He spoke a blessing on each of us, one by one. And when he finished, he took his last breath. We mourned him, and I had his body embalmed in the way of the Egyptians. And a period of mourning was declared, not just for my family, but for the Egyptians as well. And when we were done, I requested that Pharaoh allow me to return my father to Canaan. I was given permission, and we put together a great procession to return my father to the burial place of his father and his father's father. We returned to Egypt, and I received a message from my brothers. They were afraid. Their lives were in my hands. They still lived in the land of Pharaoh, the land I governed, 
and now with my father dead, they were sure I would take my revenge. I can understand their fear. All those things that happened to me, all those evil things and terrible things that would have never happened if they had not committed their first hateful evil act against me. All those different coats I wore, slave, prisoner, and yes, even governor, I only wore because of what happened when they took away the cloak father had given me all those many years ago. And now, father was gone. In their message, they begged for mercy. And then... Brothers, why have you come before me like this? Joseph, hear us out. Why are you bowing before me? Joseph, uh, before father died, he he told us to tell you uh, to forgive us. Forgive our sin against you. Forgive the suffering we caused you. Please, Joseph, forgive us. I received your message asking this of me. We sold you as a slave for a few pieces of silver, but now we bow before you and we are your slaves. No, no, brothers, don't be afraid. I'm not God. Years ago, you planned evil against me, but God took your evil plan and used it to make a good plan, a plan that resulted in the survival of many people, my family, your families, our family. Don't be afraid. I am not your master. I will take care of you and take care of your children. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. The story of Joseph's family doesn't stop here. Joseph's family stayed in Egypt for a while and became slaves until one of the people from his family, Moses, led them out of Egypt and into the promised land. The story of Joseph's family is the story of the people of Israel, and God used the people of Israel to give us Jesus. Way back in the beginning of the world, when Adam and Eve first sinned, God knew what his plan would be to save us from our sins. I think one of the best moments in this story is when Joseph just says to his brothers, What you meant for evil, God meant for good, so many lives could be saved. I know that Joseph meant that many lives could be saved by the food that Egypt had, and Joseph's family could be saved by moving to Egypt. But think about this. God used Joseph's situation to help the Hebrew people grow into the nation of Israel. Because of all the things that happened to Joseph, it was a small part of God's plan to save us too. It's a different kind of being saved, of course. Jesus came into the world and died on the cross so we could be saved from our sins and the punishment of our sins. We aren't being saved from a famine by eating the grain Joseph stored away. Yeah, because by now that grain would be rotten. (laughs) But it's cool to think that Joseph's story is a part of Jesus' story. And Jesus' story is our story. I have a picture framed on my wall in my office that says, Your story is a part of history and his story. It's there to remind me that I'm part of God's plan for the world. I'm here for a reason, and so is everyone else. If you're listening to this right now, I hope you're able to remember that your story and all the things in it that people have meant for evil, God wants to use for good. He loves you, he's with you, and he wants you to do incredible things as a part of his story and his kingdom. That's a great reminder, Ben. Now, For those of you who are listening to the podcast as it comes out, next week we will be taking a week off. We'll be coming back in two weeks with a new series that will lead us into Easter as we look at what happened on that week and why it had to happen. For now, thanks so much for listening. And until next time, we want to remind you to charge. 
Plug in and connect with Christ. Power up and become like Christ. And press on by being like Christ in the world. This story can be found in the book of Genesis. A Lifetime of Coats featured your hosts, Jen Miller and Pastor Ben. Joseph was played by Evan David, and other voices were played by Ben Avery, who also wrote, produced, and directed. Weekly Charge is a production of the Napanee Missionary Church Kidmin Department. You can find out more at nmc.church. You can find this podcast at nmckidmin.com. I'm Pam, and as always, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>